In the Bible, a mystery is something hidden, something that's unknown. Today, Trent Griffiths shows us how the scriptures reveal many things to us, including about God himself. So often we want to keep God mysterious. And that would be true if it were not for the fact that God actually wants to make the mystery known. What we have in scripture and what we have in Jesus Christ is the revelation of what can be known about God. Not everything about God can be known, but what God has chosen to reveal himself can be known. And God wants you to know this mystery. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Trent is in a series here on Resonate, a series titled Breath Taken. It was originally recorded just before Christmas a few years ago. Here's Pastor Trent. We've been walking through this series entitled Breath Taken. I said that if I do my job right, you do your job right. There ought to be some audible gasp as we read some of the things that we're about to read in God's holy word. Today, we're gonna solve a mystery. How many of you like mysteries? You like to read a mystery? You like to watch a mystery on TV? Well, there are some things about Christmas that are kind of mysterious, but there are some things that shouldn't be a mystery. You know, um, the star of... Bethlehem, that's, that's kind of a mystery. We read about how this, this star kind of led the wise men to baby Jesus there in the manger. People have tried to explain that by some astronomical, something going on with the stars. And um, really, it, it, the Bible doesn't really tell us about what that is. I, I personally believe it was the glory of God that was leading these guys right to the specific place where they needed to go. I don't know about you, but if I don't know where you live and you say, just kind of follow the stars, I'm right under that one, I'm probably not going to discern between your house and your next door neighbor. Uh, but those wise men knew exactly where to go. So the star of Bethlehem is kind of a mystery. But listen, the need for Bethlehem is not. Uh, we're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners down here, and except for God coming to where we are, we have no hope of ever being where he is, right? So Jesus became a child of man we, so that we could become children of God, right? That's not a mystery. That's, that, that's cleared up. Um, how about the virgin birth? That's a little mysterious, right? Um, uh, how does Mary become pregnant while a virgin and what was actually going on in the chemistry and the DNA? That's kind of a mystery. But, but listen, the deity of Christ is not a mystery. The fact that Jesus became man without giving up anything that it meant to become God, we have to have a, a baby Jesus who was fully God, fully man, who would one day grow up and die on a cross in our place as a substitute for our sin. That, that mystery has been cleared up. We know why Jesus came is so that we could, we could go to heaven. And, um, you know, we, we wonder about what heaven's like. That's kind of mysterious. What will it be like in heaven? How many of you have somebody you love already in heaven? Maybe this is the first Christmas where you're celebrating. Uh, trust me, they're having a great day uh, today. And uh, we kind of wonder what's going on up there. But listen, it should not be a mystery about how to get to heaven, okay? We clear that up around here all the time. So if those things are still a mystery to you, you have come to the right place. We're gonna solve the mystery of Christmas. It's no, Christmas is no longer a mystery. I want you to see it from the scripture here, Ephesians chapter three. Let's look in verse four to start off with. It says this, when you read this, 
you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Yeah, that ought to take your breath away. You understand who's writing? This is, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's saying you can have the same insight that the Apostle Paul had about the whole mystery of Christ by doing one thing. What is that one thing? By reading this. Why do we start every message around here with open your Bible? Because by reading this, you can perceive the insight into the mystery of Christ. There are some things that are kind of mysterious. One thing that's not mysterious is the reason for Christmas. We're going to kind of walk through this here. I'm going to give you the outline right from the beginning. Very simple outline. You see, the mystery of Christmas becomes the majesty of Christmas when the mystery of Christmas is solved through the gospel when the mystery is displayed through the church and when the mystery is accessed through our faith. Three different times in this passage, we see that little preposition through, and that's gonna be our outline here. We don't make this stuff up. We just kind of take it right out of the scripture. That's what we do. So let's get right into the first thing. The mystery is solved through the gospel. Let's begin reading in verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's unpack that a little bit. We are introduced to the author of this book. We've already found out that is a man named the Apostle Paul. What's interesting about the Bible, in case you are new to this sort of thing, what you have to understand is you are reading a book that was primarily written by Jewish people. It was written to Jewish people, and it was written about Jewish people. What you have in the Old Testament is basically the history of a nation, the Israelites, the Hebrew, the Jewish people. Paul is a Jewish man, and in this book, this section of Scripture, he's not writing to Jews. He's writing to people he identifies as you Gentiles. Now, I'm looking around the room. Um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of people that look very Jewish, okay? And what that means is, is we are from, we are outsiders. We are, we are what's called Gentiles, which you have to understand about the Gentiles. When you read back in the Old Testament, what you're reading is a history of the, the Jewish people. And if you read the first 15 pages of the Bible, what you read about is God had an incredible plan. He originated it with Adam and Eve and they messed it all up. And then God kind of had to cleanse the earth. And, and there was this flood and eight people got out of the ark and then they had babies. And then we get to a generation and we get to chapter 12, and we're introduced to a man named Abram. Abram was minding his own business one day, and God showed up. Had a little conversation with Abraham. Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and he said this to Abram. He said, I'm going to make your children number the sands of the sea. And he said, I'm going to make you and your descendants into a great nation. And that was the origination of the Hebrew people and then the nation of Israel. And then we read succeeding generations of Abraham's family tree and how they messed up. And there was the rise and the fall of the Israelite nation and all that. That's what's in the Old Testament. That's everything you read in the Old Testament. The question is this, what about us? We're not primarily, looking around the room, primarily from the line of of Abram, what happens to all these outsiders, the Gentiles? Well, if you read Genesis chapter 12, verse three, what you read is not only did God promise to make Abram 
Abraham a great nation, but in that very same verse, he promised to bless all nations through this nation that he was creating from Abram, the Gentiles. The mystery of the Old Testament was how is God gonna fulfill that promise that he made in Genesis chapter 12, verse three? Well, Paul knew the answer to that question. He, through the revelation of God, had solved that mystery. I want you to see it here in verse two. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given me for you. And so Paul is sitting in a prison right now. We're told that back up in verse one. It says, I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. We wouldn't have the book of Ephesians or Colossians or Philemon or Philippians if it had not been for the fact that Paul had been arrested. He was sitting in this prison because he loved the Gentiles so much. He wanted them to have the same access to the promise that the Jewish people had had. Paul loved the Gentiles so much, he would rather go to prison than for Gentiles like you and me to go to hell. That's the price that he paid to get the gospel to these Gentiles. And so he says in verse two, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Do you see the word stewardship there in that that verse? What does that mean? What, What was Paul a steward of? A steward is responsible for a possession that belongs to another. Paul was a steward. Yesterday afternoon, there was a FedEx truck that slid into my driveway. Anybody else have a FedEx truck or a UPS truck slide into your driveway anytime? And, and he delivered all of the Christmas presents that the children don't know about yet. And, uh, and he brought these two big boxes. Do you know what a, a FedEx driver is? He is a steward. He has a stewardship. He is delivering something that is actually, that belongs to someone else. The FedEx driver is not the manufacturer of the gift. He's just the distributor of the gift. When Paul says that he has this stewardship of God's grace, Paul wasn't the manufacturer of any grace. He was just the deliverer of the grace. And you and I who have received the gospel, if it's changed your life, it is now your responsibility to become the steward of God's grace to get it to somebody who needs it. And as a minister of God, that's exactly what Paul said he was. Look here in verse three. How the mystery, there's our word, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. You see, when we think about God, when we think about the gospel, so often we want to keep God mysterious. I mean, God is out there, he's other, he's holy, And we think, man, he would be a hard guy to get to know. And that would be true if it were not for the fact that God actually wants to make the mystery known. What we have in scripture and what we have in Jesus Christ is the revelation of what can be known about God. Not everything about God can be known. But what God has chosen to reveal himself can be known. 
And God wants you to know this mystery. And Paul has this revelation. And yet in verse four, we've already read it. He says, you can have the same insight that I have. I've had the revelation, but I'm trying to give it away. I'm trying to let God be known among you. The will and the ways of God can be known to the degree that God has self-disclosed those things through Jesus recorded in his word. Then in verse five, he says this, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Aren't you glad you live in this generation? It says in other generations, they didn't know what I'm telling you right now. Maybe the greatest mystery is this. With all of that revelation available, with the knowledge that by reading this, you can know God, maybe the greatest mystery is this. Why aren't you reading this? That's the real mystery. Um, my son, Zach, he came home from college on, on Friday. He, he wanted the family to have prayer meeting all week long because it was finals week at college. And so he's like, you gotta be praying, you gotta be praying. I was kind of reminding him that I'm not gonna pray unless you promise to study. And so uh, anyway, did, did anybody have any finals this week? Anybody have any, Mac, do you have any finals? Did you pass? Anybody fail any finals? You probably don't want to say that. Anyway, finals is tough, right? I, 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 read, about this, I read about this professor. He was, a, he was a, an English scholar at uh, Yale University. Uh, he taught English literature at Yale for 41 years until he retired in 1933. His name was William Phelps. One day while grading final exams, he saw an answer to one of the questions that apparently was quite mysterious to one of the students because the student wrote in the answer, God only knows the answer to this question. Merry Christmas. <laughs> to which the professor replied as he handed the paper back, God gets an A, you get an F, Happy New Year. <laughs> and so apparently that student didn't have the full insight that the professor had about the things that had been revealed. You can have the same insight. The mysteries of God can be known because God wants to disclose them to us. And yet he goes on in verse six, he says this, this mystery is, you want to cut to the bottom line? What is this mystery? You keep talking about the mystery. What is it? Here it is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs what does that mean? That means that we Gentiles have the same father as those Jews. And because we have the same father, we have the same right to the inheritance, which means we have the same future. Not only are we heirs, he says we're members of the same body. You know what that means? That means that we're connected because we have the same head and we need each other. We're in the same body. And then he says, we're partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Remember that promise that God made back in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham? We are now recipients and partakers of the same promise because we're connected to Christ Jesus through, do you see it? The end of verse six, through the gospel. That's the good news. 
that no matter who you are, no matter what your heritage, no matter what you've done, whether you are black or white, young or old, rich or poor, Irish or Wolverine, Northern Southerner, it doesn't matter. The gospel is for everyone. And everyone can now have access to the Father because the mystery of Christmas has been solved. And Paul was in prison because he was preaching that message. Paul was not in prison because he was preaching Christ. Paul was in prison because he was preaching Christ alone. Do you understand what he was doing? Paul's offer to the Gentiles was an offense to the Jews. Do you know what he was saying? Your Jewish heritage, your religious knowledge, your previous revelation, your previous thoughts about God are not good enough. You're not good enough. Simply because you have had some type of background or you've gone through some religious training, just your knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, nobody knew the scriptures better than the Jews. And yet, they didn't have the same access that the Gentiles did because the Gentiles came through Christ. And the reason that Paul was in jail is because that message is offensive to a self-righteous religious crowd that wants to get to heaven because they think they're good enough. And so they said, lock him up. Paul was not in prison because he preached Christ. He was in prison because he preached Christ alone. We want to make God mysterious. And so we invent our own religions outside of Christ. We invent religions like Islam and Baha'i and Hinduism and, and Buddhism and Christian science and Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism and moralism and meism. That's the worst. It's just, I'm just me. I'm just going to have faith in me. We invent all kinds of religious sacraments and we want to make it all ornate and weird. And you know why? Because the human mind refuses to accept the simplicity of the gospel. That I will go to heaven by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, so nobody is any better off than anybody else. It is based upon Christ's righteousness, not based on self-righteousness. The mystery is solved through the gospel. If God seems distant, if God seems mysterious to you, it's because you haven't come to him through the gospel. Here's the second thing. The mystery is displayed through the church. Look at verse seven. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Does that sound a little arrogant to you? It sounds like Paul's kind of bragging on himself there. I am a minister because I was given a gift and it's given to me through the working of his power. Listen, if that seems arrogant at all to you, you're not reading it right, because look at the very next verse. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
And so again, Paul saw himself as a recipient, not so that he could sit around and just kind of get cozy up and just kind of keep it to himself. And I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. No, Paul was on mission. He had work to do. There was a church to build. And so he understood that his responsibility now was to be a minister. A minister is not somebody that wears a weird collar. It's not even somebody that's on a church staff. I mean, in a certain sense, I guess there's a ministry there that God has given us that may have a little more responsibility. But listen, if you are in Christ, if you are a part of this church, you are a minister. You know what a minister is? A minister is a garden hose. You hook it up on one end to the source and you spray it on anybody nearby. That's all it is. A minister is a channel. It is taking the resources of heaven, God's grace, the message of the gospel, through a loving channel to meet human need for the glory of God. And Paul said, I'm the worst, I'm the least. I, I, I don't understand why God would use somebody as leaky as me to distribute that gospel. And you may feel like I can't be that person. Paul said, I can't be that person either. And yet he is saying, you're better off than he is. You're not sitting in a prison. You've got a circle of influence. And he wants you to become a part of the mission as the church to display this mystery that's been solved through the gospel. You see, we want to sit back and admire the gospel. Isn't it beautiful? Let's, let's write songs about that and let's decorate the church and let's send Christmas cards and let's gather our family in our pajamas around and let's just, let's have a nice little devotion and read the Christmas story. Nothing wrong with any of that but it's gotta be more than admiring the gospel. God doesn't want you to sit back and admire the gospel. God wants you to go out and distribute the gospel, to preach the gospel. You say, well, if, if, I, had a, if I had a nice pulpit like Pastor Trent has, I, I'm sure that I could, I could preach the gospel. If he, if he would just give me a shot on Sunday morning, I'm sure that I could do it just, listen, do, do you understand that this was not my first pulpit? Okay. Um, you don't get a pulpit like this until you use the pulpit you already have. And you have a pulpit. Do you understand that? You are to distribute the gospel message wherever you are I've told you my story, how I met the Lord. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up listening to messages. When I was in 10th grade, um, a church reached out to me. I heard the gospel. I was convicted of sin. I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and the, and the world has never been the same since. Do you wanna hear my first message I ever preached? It happened on a Monday morning in the hallway at Eisenhower High School. I had gotten saved on a Saturday night. I'd gotten baptized on Sunday morning and I went to school on mission the next day. And um, I didn't know any scripture. I couldn't, I couldn't outline the gospel. All I knew is that I got saved. And I knew that the first thing that I needed to do was to talk to my best friend. His name was Steve. 
Steve and I were best friends because we had started a country band. Did you know this about your pastor? Now, this was in Oklahoma. We only have two kinds of music in Oklahoma, country and Western. So we, we had a, a nice audience there and we'd won the school talent show the year before. And, and listen, uh, it, I say Steve and I started the band. I was just hanging out. So Steve was letting me hang out. It, it was, uh, I contributed very little to the band, okay? But uh, Steve and I had become uh, friends. And, and so I went to school on this Monday morning and I found Steve and I walked up to him and this is what I said. I said, Steve, I'm quitting the band. And he kind of looked at me weird and he said, why are you doing that? Here was my first sermon. I got saved. And he looked at me like, what in the world does that mean? And I couldn't unpack it any further than that. And we parted ways. That was my first pulpit. That was my first sermon. And God began to kind of expand some opportunities. You just keep stepping through the doors. This morning, I haven't talked to Steve in 25 years. This morning, I got an email from a guy named Steve. This is what it says. Hello, Trent, or should I say Pastor Trent? I just got through watching your latest sermon on your website. What leaves me breathless is just what you preached, God removing the wall between us through Christ and the cross. I watch your sermons and every time I do, I could just burst open with happiness for you. I am so stinking proud of you. And you, every time I see your face, come on the screen. Haven't communicated in a while. I really enjoy your sermons and I'm praying that God continues to use you to bring souls into his kingdom. I pray blessings upon you and all that you hold dear, may our God supply you with more than you need this coming year. Always know that I am one of your biggest fans in the work that you do in your ministry. And I hope you and your beautiful family have a wonderful Christmas. Your brother in Christ, Steve. You can't make this stuff up. Paul said that I am a minister by the grace of God to distribute the gospel to all who will hear. We want to sit back and admire the gospel. God wants you to use the pulpit you have to distribute the gospel. Do you understand that you have a pulpit? We want God to work without us. God wants to get the work done through us. Well, if you've never thought of yourself as a minister before, Trent Griffith has been telling us that now is a good time to start. So here's my question for you. What are some ways that you can be a channel or a gutter for the grace of God to flow into the lives of others around you? Pastor Trent will be back next week to finish that message. You can always go back and listen to this program again. All Resonate programs are archived on our website. Just go to mygospelcity.org slash resonate. And if you're searching for a church to call home, I'd encourage you to visit Gospel City Church. For more information about service times and locations, just go to mygospelcity.org. You can click or tap where it says, I'm new here. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. You know, there's different ways to stay away from Christ. And next week, 
Pastor Trent will explain. Some people avoid Jesus by being really bad. Other people avoid Jesus by being really good. We'll hear more about that on the next edition of Resonate. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the revealed mysteries of God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.